0: God's direction, God's direction, how important it is. They're passing out the outline, and it doesn't have the answers, so you're going to have to pay attention, and uh, matter of fact, on my, I don't have it underlined, so are there blanks in it? Okay, all right, very good, and I don't have in mind what I need to emphasize so you don't miss it. So sorry about that. Oh, here it is. Maybe this will help me. So let me give you a testimony about God's direction and asking God for confirmation, asking God for yet another witness or another sign. uh, Is when we were in that that building, that sanctuary right there, and we were in one service, and uh, God had blessed us, and uh, the service was probably about 80% full, and I had a guest speaker come, Dale Yurton, who we still support as a missionary. And uh, so he came, and he preached that Sunday morning. As a great atmosphere, great anointing, and people really responded. And he talked to me afterwards, and he said, uh, Brother Tim, you need to go to two services because if you don't, you're going to choke the harvest. In other words, you need to make more room, right? You'll be pot-bound, root-bound. And, uh, well, I, I received that. I thought that was a word from the Lord. And then I was asking the Lord for confirmation, and I was reading Luke chapter 5 in my morning devotions, and in that passage of Scripture, uh, Jesus asked Peter to let down his net, and the Bible says, as he did, he caught a great catch of fish, and the catch of fish was so great, they had to call another boat to come in and help with the catch of fish. So two boats to bring in the harvest, two services for what God was doing. I felt like God spoke that to me. He just confirmed it again. So I had two confirmations. And then as I talked to, to my wife and uh, and uh, as I prayed, I just felt in my spirit, the Holy Spirit was saying, yes, yes, this is what you need to do. Yes, this is what you need to do. And I still remember uh, going into my my son 's room, he was just a little boy at the time, and uh, so that room was private for me because he wasn 't in there and It was when we lived in the little house on Milford went in there, and I sat down on the floor, leaned up against the wall and I was you know it was scary to go to two services because there 's unity. Everybody's together. It's a full house. Everybody's excited. I'm going to ruin it. I'm going to make this decision. It's going to bring disunity to the church. Some people say, you're going to make two services. You're going to have two churches instead of one church if you go to two services. So I had that kind of ringing. But the Lord had spoken to me through Dale Yurton, spoken to me through the scriptures, spoken to me uh, in unity with my wife, just this resounding yes. I still remember this. I said, Lord, can you give me one more word? And as soon as I prayed that, I felt like, Dun, dun, dun. I don't know how else to explain it. I felt like God just came down on me, and I knew he was displeased. You know, one of the things that angered the Lord was unbelief. He would have a rebuke for those that were not. Oh, you slow to believe. Oh, you faithless generation. And this sense of unbelief, and I felt like the Lord was angry and, and I it was this fast. I'm not kidding, it was this fast. Oh Lord, could you please give me one more confirming word? Lord, I'm so sorry that I asked you for this. I'm so sorry, you've already spoken to me. Please forgive me. And it literally was that fast. I asked for this confirming word, boom. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Please, you know, just like that. Well, let's talk about God's guidance. The Bible tells us that the Lord will guide us by his spirit, right? Following your heart. The world is big on this. Follow your heart. If you just follow your heart, right? I trust my heart. I follow my heart. But I'm not sure that's the greatest advice. Obviously, the Bible tells us to follow the Lord, to follow the spirit, to follow godly counsel. I'm not sure the Bible ever tells us to follow a heart. Matter of fact, Proverbs says, a fool trusts his heart. Hmm. Following your heart does not mean following your selfish impulses, but rather following the Holy Spirit's leading. You should follow your heart only if you have committed your heart to Jesus. Without the Lord, your heart is deceitful and not trustworthy. You guys agree with that? You only follow your heart if you have committed your heart to Jesus If you have, like Proverbs says, my son, give me your heart. Have you given the Lord your heart? Have you committed your heart to the Lord? Have you set your heart on God? And if so, then your heart can be a reliable guide because the Holy Spirit is in the center of what's going on. Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27 says this, I will give you a new heart, this is to the believer, and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye will keep my judgments and do them. So he promises a new heart when he puts his spirit within us. When we are born again, God performs a heart transplant. As it were. He gives us a new heart The power of the Holy Spirit changes our heart from sin-focused to God-focused. I remember when God gave me a new heart. The heart was saying, your heart is the seat of desire or the seat of affection. And when I got saved, the Holy Spirit came in, and all of a sudden my desires from within changed. I now have a heart that's been quickened, or made alive by the Holy Spirit. And now I have new desires. I have I, Everything changed. Darkness to light. Anybody have that testimony? If you have that testimony, please raise your hand. Everybody here, if you're a believer, should raise your hand because that's what happens when you get saved. God comes in your life by his spirit and he gives you a new heart, gives you brand new new desires. Remember in Corinthians it says, if you're a, a new creature in Christ, old things have passed away. All things become new. When you're baptized, you are raised up in the Lord and what do you do? You walk in newness of life. A life that A heart, a life that is unchanged since you prayed reveals to me that the prayer you prayed was not a salvation prayer. Those who are truly born again of the Spirit of God, you have a new heart, new desires, holy affections. Give me a witness. All right. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. See how he'll give you the desires of your heart? And I've talked extensively on this. The desires of heart that he gives you are formation. In other words, as you rejoice in the Lord and take joy in God, you, you develop this personal relationship with the Lord where you are delighting in him. You're just loving God. What does he do? He gives you his desires. He forms his desires, and his desires then become your desires. He forms new desires in you. That makes sense? Mm. The Holy Spirit will act as the want to inside your heart. When you surrender your will to him, he changes your heart so that you will want what he wants. The Holy Spirit will tug at your heart. This is the ways that he guides you, right? He guides you by his spirit. He changes the want-tos in your heart. Man, I remember when I got saved, I just wanted to serve God full-time. Well, that was a preliminary work of the call of God to preach the gospel. Just wanted to serve God full-time. And I was signed up, enrolled at Ohio State University, I was going to go to that school, going to study engineering, kind of like what my dad did. I had my room assignment, my roommate assignment. It was all set. My parents were paying for my college education. They believed in that. And so that's what I was doing. I get saved. And all of a sudden, you know, that's what I wanted to do. And all of a sudden I'm saved. And now I no longer want to do that. He took the desire out of that, out of me. He now put a new desire in my heart because I was delighting in the Lord. I was loving Jesus. He put a new desire in my heart. All of a sudden, I wanted to serve God full time, wanted to serve God. And then the Lord called me to Bible college, and I had to tell my parents, I'm not going to the university. I'm going to Bible college. I want to study for the ministry. This is what I wanted to do. Why did I want to do that? Because God put that desire in my heart. He leads us by putting desires in our heart, you see. The Holy Spirit will tug at our heart. When you fish, you can feel the tug on the line, can't you? Many times you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever feel that tug of the Holy Spirit when it comes to sharing your faith? All of a sudden, you know, you're, this happened to me at Planet Fitness. matter of fact, I, just a couple of weeks ago, I missed my opportunity. I went to Planet Fitness uh, there in Fenton to, to work out, and I was going to download the, the, the app so that I could just uh, sign in by, uh, through, my, uh, through my iPhone using the Planet Fitness app. So I was at the desk talking to them, trying to work through that to download the app and to get it all set up. And this guy came in, and uh, he had lost his wife about eight months earlier and he's talking about how he's now working out of the gym and how he's lonely, and I would say he was probably a little bit older than I was. He's very chatty, and uh, everything was new to him. He said, I didn't even know, never even been to a gym. He's just talking to whoever's listening, and the whole time, I'm working with them on my app, and I just felt like I needed to talk to that guy and to share my faith and invite him to church, And uh, but he left as I was still at the desk trying to get that app downloaded so I said okay I will find him working out and I'll go up and start a conversation he's a very chatty guy start a conversation with that guy well I'm working out and there he is and so I start going for him but all of a sudden he starts engaging three other guys in a conversation okay I will wait I will wait so I'm waiting worked out some more now okay where is he where I couldn't find him gone I walked all over the place trying to find this guy. Gone. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to witness to this guy. is that terrible? I mean, and I don't know. I, I maybe, uh, I mean, I'm trying to download that app. I certainly shouldn't have put the soul of that man in front of the, the importance of downloading the app. Should I have? No, I don't think so. And then uh, I had my 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 weights to lift. I should have... Done that before witnessing to save his eternal soul. Am I right about that? Uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, I just missed the opportunity, but I felt the tug. You ever feel the tug? And so now every time I go, I look for this guy. Because I'm bound and determined to witness to this guy because I felt the tug in my heart to witness to him. And I felt like I, I should have just opened the door. should have just opened the door like I did with my mom. And I went down to my mom when she was very elderly and just uh, uh, about 90 years of age and wasn't sure of her salvation. And I went down there and I felt compelled of the Lord to witness to her, to win her to Christ. And so I went down there, and there's no open door. She's not talking about God. There's no open door. uh, uh, uh. Finally, on Saturday, she's now sick. She's sick in bed. She's not even getting out of bed. And I still hadn't talked to her. We're leaving in a couple hours. Finally, you know what I did? I just knocked on the door, and she said, come in. I went in there. I sat on her bed. She's sick. I sat on her bed, and I just started witnessing to her. Then at the end of it, she wanted to pray to be saved. But that's... You know, knocking on a closed door and it's just opening. I just—that's what I should have done with that guy at Planet Fitness. Who cares if he's talking to three other guys? I could have just gone up there, entered the conversation, and then when I start winding down, just turn and start talking to him. I could have done that, but I thought I would have more opportunity later on when nobody was around, and then I couldn't find him. I'm still bothered by it, but the Lord. Well, give me another opportunity. What do you think? The tug at the heart. In Acts 18, verse 5, Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia. Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Compelled or moved by the Spirit. He felt that in his heart. That's how God leads us. Sometimes you feel it in your heart. You feel that tug like a fish at the end of a line. The Holy Spirit can make it seem good to you. He can make it seem good to you. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So this seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. What's that? That's that giant yes in your spirit. Yes. You know, when I came up to Cornerstone 1985, I did not hear God speak to me in my spirit or through the word. I got no prophecy, nothing like that, to come up here. I was invited to come up, I was asked to come up, and you know what I had in my spirit? Just this huge yes. When I prayed about it, yes. When I talked to my wife, yes. When I talked to my pastor, Bill Browning, yes, the church, they called me. They're saying yes. The pastor of this church was saying yes. It was all yes, yes. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit, it seemed good to me, good to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will confirm his will and direction through peace. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you're also called. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Lack of peace might mean it is God's will, but the timing is not right, which it was for Cornerstone. I've shared that story. I turned Cornerstone down the first time. A year went by. The timing was now right. And I said, yes. But the first time around, same church, just a year earlier, I lacked peace. The timing wasn't right. Then a year went by, the call came again, and I said, yes. The timing was right. Lack of peace might mean it is not God's will, and it will never be God's will. Since my wife is in there, don't tell her this. Uh, when, I, when I first got saved, I briefly dated a girl. Briefly dated this girl, and I think we dated for seven days, and the whole time we were dating, it was horrible. She's a nice girl, but it was horrible because, man, did I lack peace, and uh, she was more spiritually minded than I was because I'm brand, brand new saved, and uh, she was lacking peace, and after liking, trying to like each other for about a week, maybe it was two weeks, you know, we both looked at each other and said, this ain't working. God's not in this. And God was never in this. Why is that? Because God had somebody better. God had somebody better. One time my wife found a girl on Facebook that liked me and uh, pulled up her picture. And she was now in her 50s. And she said, look, you could have had her. My wife was so much better. (laughs) God had something. You ever, you know, God will tell you no because he has something better for you? Praise the Lord, right? And uh, I remember for those week or two weeks, you know, I'm first saved. I'm kind of liking this girl, and I just knew it wasn't right. But I remember I would have conversations, well, kind of strange. I'd have conversations within my heart to the Lord trying almost to convince myself that this was God, and it never worked. I never found peace. When you have to work it so hard to make it seem right or feel right or be right, and you just have to work it, work it so hard, my friend, you're lacking peace. Something's not right. The peace of God is the number one indicator you're in the will of God. Lack of peace is the number one indicator that you're not in the will of God. And so if you're trying to work it all out, trying to make it seem right, hmm. How does God direct you? Well, let's talk about this. Direction through rejection. I'm going to start here. God uses rejection to take you to a better place. God uses rejection to change you so that you can be better as a person. You know, Joseph was rejected by his brothers, rejected by Potiphar, rejected while he was in prison, But the Bible says, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50, verse 20. You know, here's Joseph. He's supposed to be second in command of all Egypt. And the entire, his entire family of older brothers were going to bow before him, including his father. Joseph had to be prepared by God To be that second in command of Egypt, to be a prince in the palace, to have that wisdom, to be an interpreter of dreams, and to actually have the humility to forgive everybody that had done him wrong. Think about it. If Joseph did not allow the rejection to change his character, his brothers were going to kill him, but then sold him into slavery He ended up in prison. And now his brothers come and they bow before him. And Joseph is second in command. If he hadn't, through that process, forgiven those brothers, he probably would have killed his brothers. Been so angry. Out for vengeance. Killed them. And then Jesus never would have come. Because one of his brothers' names was Judah, and Jesus was a descendant of the tribe of Judah. matter of fact, the very our very salvation laid in the forgiving heart of joseph towards his brothers. God used all that rejection to work in Joseph and to fashion him. To be the man of God that he needed to be so that God could use him to save the nation of Israel as they came down to Egypt during the time of that famine. Interesting, isn't it? Rejection. Jacob was rejected by Laban. And that rejection of Laban finally broke him as he wrestled with God. And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Have you ever been rejected? Rejection is terrible. You can be rejected by family, by children, by parents, by friends, rejected in the workplace, rejected because of your faith. Rejection. God uses rejection to take us to a better place. David had 10 years of rejection from King Saul. God used it to prepare David to be king. From age 20 to age 30, David was running from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. And David, when he became king, was a man after God's heart. He was humble. He was after God's heart. He was better than Saul. Saul never had a time of preparation. Samuel just went and anointed him. He became king. And he became lifted up with pride. He was not a man after God's heart. He was after Promotion and people's approval lifted up with pride, very impulsive and impatient, and he became rejected as king. But God used 10 years of rejection from King Saul to work in David a heart that wanted God. So when David became king, he was a king that would last, a king that could endure, a king that would honor God. And David did, except for the occasion with Bathsheba. But God used rejection to change David, to change Jacob, to change Joseph. Jesus was the ultimate one that was rejected. He came into his own, and his own received him not. The night in which he was betrayed by Judas, all his disciples forsook him and fled. And then when he was on the cross... My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus took rejection on him so that we might be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the cross through this thing called rejection. You can get a spirit of rejection. But Jesus knows, Jesus understands, and Jesus can heal the broken heart and heal the rejected heart. Am I right about that? But rejection, God uses rejection to change us. And God uses rejection, no, 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 because he has something better for us. Those rejections are like closed doors. Nope, 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 nope. Let me, let me share with you. You know, I came to Cornerstone in 1985. Did you know I had four opportunities in front of me to enter the ministry and pastor before I came coming to Cornerstone? And they all rejected me because God had something better. Cornerstone. I I was asked by a church in Miamisburg to be their youth pastor. It was a Pentecostal church. And I still remember they called. The pastor said, you know, I want you to come, but we're going to choose this man in our church because if we don't choose him, we're going to lose some families. And then there's this church uh, south of Dayton towards Cincinnati, and they had lost their pastor. And they had me come to preach for them. And that church was alive. It was alive unto God. The presence of God was there. I preached what I thought was a great message. <laughs> you know, I was probably 22, 23 years of age. I don't know what it was like. But to me, it was a great message. And I felt like I connected with the people. And they called me two weeks later. And they said, I'm sorry, we're going in a different direction. And then I, I knew, uh, I don't know, uh, Kathy, do you remember Herbie Stewart? You remember Herbie Stewart, evangelist from Ireland? He came and ministered, you remember? Yeah, he came and ministered at our church. Anyway, he uh, planted a church in Holland, Michigan, and he was ready to, he really wasn't a pastor, he was evangelist, so he wanted to turn it over to a young guy, and of course he knew me down there at, uh, in Centerville, and I remember we were having a church work day, and the pastor came up to me and said, we have a place for you, Tim. It's a church in Holland, Michigan. And I met with Herbie Stewart, and uh, he was going to bring me in and set me in as the pastor of this church in Holland, Michigan. And then two weeks later, he called and said, nope, I'm sorry. They want to go in a different direction. And then about six months later, they had closed the whole church down. And then I've talked to you about that crazy lady from Illinois And uh, how that didn't go well at all. But those like four instances, I was just thinking about as I was going on my message. You know, no, 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 no. You know, they always say, God always answers your prayer. He says yes. Or he says wait. The promise is coming. Or he says what? I have something better. We would say that's a no. No. No, but really look at it this way. It's not God saying no, it's God saying no because I have something better. Doesn't that sound better? And so, in all those instances of those opportunities, the door shut. God said no because He had something better. See, God many times shuts doors or you get rejected. You don't get that job, or the girl turns you down. That first girl I dated for seven days, God had somebody better. Praise the Lord. That's what the Lord does, right? Through rejection. How about direction through open and closed doors? Listen to what it says in Revelation 3, 7, and 8. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the keys of David, he who opens... And no one shuts, and shuts, and no one opens. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. You have kept my word, and have not denied my name. So the Lord Jesus is telling this church in Philadelphia, I've set before you an open door. And I think this open door is an open door of ministry uh, fruitfulness, gospel preaching witness. The door is open for you, Philadelphia Church, and I'm with you as you preach the gospel. The Apostle Paul says, a great door of effective ministry has been opened unto me, but there are many adversaries. So when Paul was in Asia, in Ephesus, he's writing in Corinthians, God's opened up this great door of effective ministry for me in Ephesus. An open door. But here the Bible says that God can open a door, And God can shut a door. And if God opens a door, nobody can shut it. Listen, if God has opened the door, you're gonna get that job. If that's God's will, if that's God's plan, you're gonna get it. Because He can open a door that no one can shut. And I guarantee you, if God has shut that door, I don't care how good your resume is, you ain't getting that job. Well, I'm qualified, we hit it off. I have everything they're looking for. I'm great friends with the boss's wife or whatever. And I know this person and they're speaking to my behalf. You're not getting that job. Because he can shut a door that no one can open. And God leads us through these things of opening and shutting doors. You guys agree with that? Has God ever opened a door for you? Shut a door for you? I remember one time I was, uh, you know, I'd worked at at a restaurant and then uh, a a painter hired me away and uh, I then began to paint for a living and then uh, had my own painting company and it was during the winter time and I needed more money and when I worked for that restaurant, I won employee of the year and I was manager in charge MIC even had the badge. And had great favor there. And I said, you know what? I'm not working much during the wintertime here. I got a family. I'm going to go back. And they had help wanted. I went back and applied to work there. I could work there, make extra money, you know, all that stuff. I remember I sat down with the manager and Filled out uh, the application. He found out that I'd worked there. He said, man, this is awesome. We'll be contacting you. And the whole time I was doing that, I just sensed that God was not in this. He says, this is great. We're going to be contacting you. I left there, and I knew he wasn't going to contact me. He never called one time because God had shut that door. And I was qualified I needed that job or so I thought, but that's not what God had for me. And sometimes, you know, what you think is, is what needs to happen because it all makes sense. It doesn't happen because God has a plan and his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Remember, last week I talked about reading the ugly duckling to my three dogs, Mutsi and Bernie and Teddy. And uh, even though it's a child story, th- those dogs would not understand it. Why? Because people thoughts are higher than dog thoughts. And God's ways and thoughts are higher than our ways. And he's hard to understand sometimes. You agree with that? He just is. He's hard to figure out. I can't. I love the fact that God is greater and bigger and wiser than I am. And that he's, as it says, I think it's in Romans, doesn't the Bible say he's past finding out? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? His ways are past finding out. There's just certain things that we just won't get down here. And we're going to have to wait till heaven. Let's wait till heaven. Opening... And shutting doors. Closed doors can keep you from a bad decision. I got another story here. I got a lot of stories. Are you enjoying my stories? Closed doors can keep you from a bad decision. I was so excited about this minister that I invited to convention. And he had said yes. And man, i he still pastors. I was so excited about this guy. Dynamic. Pastored a multiracial church. It was just a huge church. I'd gone down there and uh, been in his services. I had met him. I listened to his uh, uh, his messages. I got a bond. man. He could preach out of your seat. A just powerful preacher, white guy, but preached like a, like a black preacher. Just powerful and uh, the way they can do it. And i was so excited. He's coming to our convention. Well, I secured him the dates and everything. And about a month later. He sent a letter saying that, I'm sorry, things have come up. I'm going to have to decline. I can't come. Oh, man, that's terrible. And then a couple months later, it was great scandal. People told me about this guy, great scandal. And with him and and the church and everything, and I am so glad that he turned me down. He just turned turned it down you know, God shut that door, shut that door. But at the time, I'm thinking, man, but you know, he shut that door to save me from a bad decision. Who knows what would have happened, right? Could have been tainted with the scandal and people would have been upset. Why'd you bring him in here? Didn't you realize? No, I didn't realize that, you know, I just didn't. And, uh, when God closes the door, it can keep you from a bad decision. It can keep you from danger. Closed doors redirect you. They read Let me read uh, Acts 16. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. And then down down in verse 10 says, now after we had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord has called us to preach the gospel to them. So here they are, Paul's on his missionary journey, and they wanted to go in the region of Galatia, and then over into Mysia, and in the area of Asia, and the Bible says they were forbidden. The Holy Spirit didn't let them. Shut door, shut door, shut door. And the Bible doesn't tell us how the Holy Spirit shut that door. You, know, you read all kinds of commentators. They got terribly sick. You know, They ran out of money. Uh, they, they, they didn't feel right on the inside. It doesn't say. Everybody has their thoughts and feelings on it. But the Lord said, no. No, that's not for you. No, that's not for you. That's not for you. And then all of a sudden, they feel compelled by the Spirit to go to Macedonia. Well, what's in Macedonia? Philippi. What's in Philippi? Lydia. Get the Philippian church, the book of Philippians. The Philippian jailer is there. And he gets saved. You know, Paul got delivered out of prison. What must I do to be saved? The Philippian jailer, Lydia, and uh, the church at Philippi. And he went from the region of Asia, sailed over into Macedonia, which is Europe. Europe. In other words, the gospel came to Europe. The Lord closed these doors. To redirect him to something better. You know, he wants to go more into Asia, but the Lord said, Nope, Europe. I got a town there, a lady, I want you to minister the gospel to. I got a jailer, I want you to minister to God. And from there, he then went down to Athens. From there he went down to Corinth. And of course, we get first and second Corinthians. And anyway, just amazing, right? Opening and shutting doors, opening and shutting. But at the time, a lot of times there's confusion. Oh, Lord, you know, you sent us on the goth, to preach the gospel in Asia, and it's all before us, and okay, we're going to go there. This is our common sense, this is what we'll do. And somehow, the Lord closes that door. But he's opening another door of effectual ministry. Amazing, isn't it? The Lord can do that opens and closes doors, saves you from a bad decision, redirects you. Have you ever had God shut a door? He can shut all kinds of doors. And if you're stubborn, he'll shut it on your fingers. <laughs> you know, and that, can, that can be a lot of pain, right? Or you're trying to open a door and uh, you're just banging their head on this door, man. I got a headache. Why are you so stressed out? Why why you got such a headache? It's because I keep trying to open this door. I want what's behind that door. I gotta have that. I want that. And Lord says that's not for you. And you're just banging your head because you want it so bad. God needs to help us, doesn't He? One one final one, direction through signs, signs. Gideon laid out a fleece. All right, let me ask you this question. Tell me what you think. Gideon, you know, he laid out a fleece. God wanted to take the Midianites, and he had 300 men. It's this monumental thing he's asking them. Gideon's fearful. So he says, oh, Lord, you know, let the fleece be wet and the ground dry. That happens. Oh, Lord, let the ground be wet and the fleece be dry. That happens. Oh, Lord, go down to the tent. He hears this dream. And finally, God's with me. Now, laying out a fleece, asking God for a sign. We now have the New Testament. Holy Spirit's on the inside of us. Is it biblical to lay out a fleece? Mr. Schiller You're a Bible man. Is it it biblical for New Testament believers to lay out a fleece? Yes or no? What did you say? Yes. Mr. Patera, you're on staff. Certainly, you know the answer to this. Is it biblical for a New Testament believer? You're going to say, yes, he's a copycat, isn't he? He's a copycat. Has anybody ever laid out a fleece? Ask God for confirmation through a sign of some type. You have anybody else? You have there. Now you guys are being more honest. All right. Very good. Well, let me, let me answer this way. Asking God for a sign. It's complicated, complicated. It can be wrong and it might be right. Abraham's servant asked God for a sign to know God's direction. Remember Abraham sent his servant to find a bride for Isaac. And he says, Lord, let the woman that you have for Isaac ask to water my camels. And all of a sudden, Rebecca comes out. She says, I'll water your camels. It's like a a sign confirming to Abraham's servant, this is the Lord's plan. When my wife and I first went over to Zimbabwe to visit Mark and Pat Roser, Hannah was 16, 17 years of age. So she's pretty as a picture. And she loved Jesus. And we took Luke and Hannah with us. And uh, so here Hannah is. And she's passionate for Jesus and beautiful outside and in. And uh, she met a youth pastor over there, and uh, they went out together with some other kids, other teenagers. And uh, little did she know, but he'd been praying this prayer: "Lord, the wife for me will be the one that offers to fill up my tank with gas, kind of like Abraham's servant will water camels. The girl that offers to fill up my tank with gas, I know that she is to be my wife. That had been his prayer. So he's always hanging with girls, youth girls, whatever, and none have ever asked, offered to fill a tank with gas. Well, Hannah is with him as well as some other kids, and they stop at the gas station. Hannah says, you want me to fill up your tank with gas? Sure, he says. So he does. And then they came home. We were at Mark and Pat Roser's house. They came home, and Hannah's eyes are as big as saucers. And he comes in and he asks for her hand in marriage. And he shares the story. And Hannah's, you know, she loves the Lord. Is God in this? And he's a good looking guy as well. And uh, I'm the dad, so what did I say? No. Absolutely not. Out you go. You know, you got to be like a, like a dog that barks sometimes and scare these people away. No, I didn't buy into it. And uh, actually, we then talked later to Hannah. You know, she wants to please the Lord, but, you know, she had no love and heart for him and didn't want to live in Zimbabwe. It was actually relieved that, that Ron and I stepped in and said no to this uh, very spiritual proposal. They didn't even know each other. Knew each other all of like two hours, and he's proposing to her. No, no. She had a number of bees that always buzz in her flower and always. And uh, Jacob was the only one that just persistently kept coming back. All right, all right, all right. Through through, uh, much prayer and much time. He's the one. He's the one remember uh, uh jonathan and uh his armor bearer jonathan and his armor bearer they you know the philistines were there and jonathan says if they call us up to meet them we know the lord's in it and we're going to fight them but if they don't call us up then the lord's not in it and the armor bearer says i'm with you whatever you do well they make themselves known to the philistines and the philistine says come on up and fight us so Jonathan and armor Bear, the two of them went up there and, and killed them all. But he asked for a sign. If they say this, then you're in it. And they said, come on up. And Jonathan said, that's the Lord. The Lord. But it's complicated. I believe your motive is quite the crucial matter. The religious leaders asked for a sign, but they were rebuked by Jesus. There, They asked for a sign from a heart of unbelief. And even if the Lord gave them a sign, they still wouldn't believe. When I asked the Lord for one more confirming word about going to two services, I felt God got angry with me. It's because of the stubbornness of my heart and my refusal to believe the, 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 the confirmation that he had already given me a number of times. I had stayed in like a, a sense of unbelief and, no, that's not enough. You got to do more. Uh, you got to do more. No, no more. Now, one more. No, no more. No more, the Lord would say. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'll do it. Enough is enough. That's it. You know, but it's, it's the attitude of the heart. And so I think a New Testament believer can ask the Lord to show me. Out of mouth are two or three witnesses. Let every word be established, right? And so the Lord can give you, uh, speak to you from the word, Then he can bring to you the counsel from a godly person. And then uh, through prayer, you sense the the voice of the spirit. Uh, The pastor preaches a message that confirms it. I mean, he gives you witnesses to help you. Am I right about that? I mean, think about this. To help you know God's direction, God can speak to you by spirit, spirit to spirit. He can quicken the word to you. He gives you pastors. He gives you godly friends. He gives you people and authority to counsel you. He can give you dreams. He can give you visions. He can arrange circumstances that also testify that God's in this. He opens doors. He closes doors. God has so many different ways of affirming and reaffirming his direction for your life. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says. So we just have to believe if we're the sheep of his pasture, if we truly belong to him, he has a plan for us. And we must make sure, let me read you this quote from George Mueller. I love how he says it. George Mueller, famous English preacher man in the 1800s, he says, I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in any given matter. And so, Lord, I'm not vested in this, your will. I want your will. Tell me what to do. He says, I try to get my heart there. I believe if you get your heart there, And truly want God's will. He will show it to you. He just will. He'll lead you. He'll show it to you. He cares about this. And if you need a confirmation, he'll give you a confirmation. But trust me, once he's given you confirmation a number of times, if you still refuse to believe and get stubborn, you might get rebuked by God. I know that to be a fact. Because it's happened to me. Opening and shutting doors, rejection leads to his direction, and signs and fleeces. Yes, but it's complicated. Your heart is quite the crucial matter. Amen? Amen. Who here needs prayer for God's direction? One hand back there, praise the Lord. Anybody else? Yes, right there, there, there. All right, if you you need prayer, just stand to your feet, all right? Let's, Let's believe God. Let's believe God. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, they need your direction. They want your will. Show them, Lord. And, Father, as they just heard this word and heard my stories, Lord, I pray there's something quickened to them, something helped them, something spoke to them. But, oh, Lord, right now we just lay it before you. Just lay the decision before the Lord. Just lay it before the Lord. Set your heart on God as you lay it before the Lord. Now, as you lay it before the Lord, just simply say in your heart to God, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Now, Lord, you see the surrender in their heart. Speak to them in a way that they can hear it. Guide and direct them in Jesus' name. And all God's people said yes and amen. Yes and amen. All right, very good. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great evening, all right?